ABC Radio. You're listening to Nightlife. Nightlife with Philip Clark. Joining us for uh, Nightlife News Breakdown tonight, Mark Kenny, who is at the Australian Studies Institute. He's also the Canberra Times political analyst and host of the Democracy Sausage podcast, as well as doing his fair share of walking the corridors of Parliament in Canberra. Mark, good evening. Welcome to Nightlife. Thanks very much, Phil. Glad to be here. Great to be with you as well. Sir Angus Houston, the former Chief of the Defence Force and before that Chief of Air Force, together with former Defence and Foreign Affairs Minister, now Australian High Commissioner of the UK, Stephen Smith, have indicated that the final report of the strategic Def- oh, sorry, the Defence Strategic Review is ready to be assessed. The current Defence Minister, Richard Marles, announced receipt of the report in Parliament to- today, along with lambasting the former government, saying the coalition could not have treated defence with more contempt. He welcomed the review and he was passionate about it in question time, saying the review had consulted 150 different experts across academia, think tanks, as well as defence industry and the defence force itself, as well as receiving more than 360 submissions from the general public, and he saw it as historic. I have no doubt that the report that the Prime Minister and I are about to receive will be one of the most important works in Australia's defence history. Well, not a small claim, I guess. I mean, Houston and Smith were charged with exploring and making recommendations to government on the structure, preparedness, posture and priorities of the Australian Defence Force. You wouldn't have thought that was a small topic, Mark. No, you wouldn't. And normally this would take a lot longer and perhaps even a larger team. I I, I must say, I thought that right from the beginning when this was announced that the government gave it six months and and tasked these two eminent individuals with conducting this review. Mm. Uh, And I thought, well, six months, that's not very long. And it's interesting, they've they've pretty much met that uh, six-month target. Uh, The report has been handed to... Richard Miles and the Prime Minister, I witnessed that, uh, that is, I witnessed it via television on the, on the monitor, uh, watching the, because the cameras were allowed into the Prime Ministerial suite after, after uh, question time, and uh, uh, Angus Houston was there to do it, to Stephen Smith was not able to be there. But what was really interesting, uh, Philip, was that, um, you know, notwithstanding the very storied career of Angus Houston, all six and a half feet or more of him, mm. he certainly made the other two men look a, a little smaller. Um, he's a he's a very sort of a quietly spoken man, but a man of great held in great regard across the aisle. And um, as I say, you know, a real real achievements in his career, uh, not least of which was six years as chief of the defence forces. And yet he described this, and he reported that Stephen Smith felt the same. He described this as the most important work of his entire career, right. and um, so so Richard Miles's um, prediction that he made on the floor of the House of Reps uh, just after the PM had indicated similar kind of thing about the receipt of the report. Um, I think it's been supported by the authors of the report in terms of the weight of it. I, I see some people are describing it. Uh, I think Greg Sheridan today, for example, described it as. Uh, potentially the most significant report handed to government about Australia's defence since the Second World War. Do we know what's in it? Um, no, we don't. We don't. Uh, <laughs> and we're, we're told it's going to be uh, a few So weeks. how does Greg Sheridan know this? <laughs> uh, well, he's talking about the uh, environment, I suppose, mm. into which this report has been written, the very reasons why it was commissioned in the first place, the complexity of the situation strategically that... Australia faces with the uh, you know the rise of China and the implications around that. We know the war in Europe, uh, other actors in, in the international space, 
the complexity of this situation now and the, the you know the the overlay of of rapid technological development and all of all that that means uh, is such that um, it is a very complex picture and it's one that it, where where um, predicting the future has become extremely extremely difficult. I mean things like what is China going to do about Taiwan? There's there's quite a lot of discussion in defence circles about whether it will happen in 2025 or 2027 or at some other time. Or, uh, but, or, 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 not, or not at all. Or not at all. Or that Xi Jinping has made uh, pretty much made it a promise uh, that mm. um, he sees this as the uh, the objective, uh, one of the key objectives of China is its reunification. That is the reabsorption of Taiwan into into China as a whole, and Admiral Harry Harris, uh, formerly, um, uh, I think he was at Pacific Command, he was on 7.30 report tonight, 7.30 as they now call it tonight, uh, making the point that uh, 2027 is the 100th anniversary of the PLA, the People's Liberation Army, and that is seen as a likely uh, you know, year in which something historic like this might be done or perhaps before or perhaps you know who knows but it's just one of many imponderables i suppose that defense and strategic analysts are trying to configure for and we know of course we've got this whole AUKUS thing going on now um and 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 the announcement that's going to be happening about that the pm himself is doing a big uh statement or he's, he's doing a speech at the national press club I think it's next Wednesday. It's expected to be in the space of national security. We may find more about this um, this report that's been done there today. So, yeah, very very significant. But uh, you're quite right at this stage. We don't know what it says. Mm. No, you're right. Well, it's at it's at a critical juncture. There's no doubt about that. I mean, Miles was very uh, um, critical of the coalition, saying uh, time and again those opposite were making decisions based on politics rather than policy. And he singled one out. He said the decision to down-select the, anti- the attack class submarine program to one tenderer before they completed the design just so they could do a single press conference in the lead-up to the 2016 election cost the Australian taxpayer billions of dollars. Is there, yeah, is I mean, there, is there force in this? Uh, well, I look. I I don't know really. Uh, it's, it's sort of allegations that get made in in politics, but uh, there's no doubt that there has been a lot of politics in this space. Mm. Um, and more so, I think, in recent years than has generally been the case. Uh, it's it's usually the situation that foreign policy, strategic matters, defence policy generally are matters of some fairly high degree of bipartisanship. That doesn't mean there aren't arguments over the inevitability of you know, defence contracts, huge as they are, um, inevitably going awry and costing the taxpayers a lot of money. And it certainly doesn't mean that there aren't political decisions taken in respect of a number of those contracts. As we know, for example, with the submarines, you know, decisions like having the, uh, the construction done in Adelaide where a number of marginal seats might be critically affected um, and benefit from the the extra work that goes into that particular place, uh, particularly if the foreign minister and the industry minister or the defence minister, you know, are South Australians, which I think at one stage was the case, you know, when you think about Christopher Pine and um, uh, what was it, um, Senator Hill, Robert Hill, That's and right. Alexander Downer. You know, so um, there's no doubt politics creeps in, and perhaps uh, some of these uh, references are correct. But there was there was a fair bit of argy bargy in Question Time today, um, 
around this whole area with uh, a question, for example, asked of uh, the Defence Minister at one stage, I think it was the Defence Support Minister, uh, he was asked uh, to name uh, one ship that was launched between 2007 and 2013, i.e. the Rudd-Gillard government period. And um, <laughs> it was quite comical, really, because uh, there, there, there were points of order taken and so forth. And Peter Dutton eventually got up and he said, "Look, uh, you know, this is all this is all irrelevant. What's being said here? Uh, the question was quite simple. It was how many ships did you know got got launched uh, during that time? I'll give you a hint. It was less than one. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there was some laughter. But uh, you know, these are serious matters as well. Yeah, indeed. Mark Kenny's with us uh, from uh, the Australian Studies Institute. We're talking uh, the news in the news breakdown. Uh, the on the submarines, the AUKUS submarines, we had some some news this week, of course, from the Navy themselves. But British, I mean, the betting's always been on the the US Virginia class submarine as being the one that mm. as being the boat that uh, Australia would acquire. In fact, those in the Navy uh, seem to think that or don't seem to think we, that we ought to be just buying them off off the rack, as it were, because by acclamation they seem to be regarded as the best submarines in the world at the moment. Uh, British newspapers, maybe predictably, are saying the UK is going to supply the submarines, and they're saying British acute-class submarines are likely. This is... I have to qualify this by saying the Sun is reporting this. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, it's a hardly a journal of uh, record. However, uh, <laughs> however, you'd think that the the uh, the Brits would like to be in there in some way. The other suggestion was that this will be a new submarine jointly constructed by the Brits, the UK, and the US with some Australian construction, which all sounds very messy and unlikely to be delivered inside fifty years. Uh, what's the what's What's the what's your assessment of where it's all going to come from? Uh, well, can I start by saying that I, I completely agree with you. I've been around this long enough to uh, to instantly have had the same sort of alarm bells ringing when I heard that this was going to be a genuine tripartite mm. uh, consultative uh, collaborative process. And I thought, oh, you mean it's going to be a, sort of a camel? Um, you know, it's going to be something designed by a committee. Too many arguments, too many compromises, too many cost blowouts. You know all that sort of thing. We'll, we'll wait and see. I guess that perhaps is being too cynical. I think what we can say, though, as you uh, quite rightly pointed out at the start of your question there, is that there has been, there does appear to have been some kind of shift from the wide expectation that we were going to get a US boat, possibly the Virginia class, as you say, uh, to the likelihood that we're going to be getting either a, an entirely new vessel that has been sort of designed between the three countries, um, but with some existing componentry, including propulsion, likely still to come from the US, um, you know, taken from, from, from all three countries. Now, there is, I, I've spoken to a few people about this, not so much today, but in recent days. Um, so that is ahead of any sort of uh, uh, exclusive that the Sun has about uh, these acute classes. But I what I was picking up was that the, the switch or the, the, the shift in thinking has gone towards it being a British vessel, uh, or at least a based on a British design. Uh, the Virginia class is said to be too big for Australian waters, particularly around the archipelagos of, of Indonesia and the like, um, that, that, that they're sort of limited in some way in that regard, and that we benefit from a more compact vessel that has 
uh, you know, smaller crew as well, which makes them much more serviceable. Um, so, uh, you know, reading between the lines and how much of this is reliable, you know, we'll only know when we see the final decision and think back about it. But it seems like it's going to be British. It seems like it's going to be smaller. It seems like it's going to have um, uh, nuclear propulsion from uh, the United States sort of delivered as a kind of a locked unit. Um, it'll have a whole lot of componentry from uh, all countries and there'll be significant work in it for all countries. We know the PM, we, we understand the PM is going to travel to the US at some stage in the next three, six, eight weeks um, to attend a, uh, an announcement with Rishi Sunak, the British, Sunak, the, uh, British Prime Minister, and Joe Biden, the President of the United States. Um, the fact that it's going to happen in the US, as we understand, had also, I think, fed this idea that the uh, the vessel would be predominantly American, mm. but um, mm. someone put it to me that it was it, it, it reflected as much as anything else uh, their president's reluctance to leave uh, to leave the United States at the moment. Indeed. All right. Uh, opposition leader Peter Dutton was defence minister for a time. Has there been any reaction from him about these announcements? By the way, uh, not as far as I know. I mean, there hasn't really mm. been any announcements. There's just been the the delivery of that's the report true, that's true. and mm. and and the and the breach, uh, if it is a breach of security in terms of what the Sun has reported. But um, I think you know, as I say, the long and the short of it is what I what I read today from the Sun. Whilst the details might be wrong, it does appear, it seems sort of consistent with what I was hearing. So mm. yeah, there has been a bit of a swing from the US towards the Brits, and we'll see how much we get of it. Interesting. Uh, just finally, the ABC boss, uh, David Anderson, was in, in Senate Estimates today uh, answering questions, pertinent questions, about the uh, production of a radio report on the Alice Springs Community Forum on social unrest in the town. The ABC's got a bit of uh, apologising to do here, haven't they? Well, yeah, certainly what has done, really, in mm. terms of what uh, David Anderson told that Senate Estimates Committee today, because there was a complaint, or there were several complaints, as I understand, made about the initial report. I mean, th there was the community meeting, was very well attended, apparently, in uh, Alice Springs. Uh, people uh, are very anxious about, you know, escalating levels of crime, and particularly violent crime, in Alice Springs. So there was a big community meeting there. Um, the complaint essentially was that uh, the, in the ABC's reporting on the AM program the next morning, um, there was an emphasis given to what one person apparently told the reporter, which was that um, the meeting was, you know, was sort of demonstrated elements of white supremacy or attitudes of white supremacy. Um, and, uh, and and also that the uh, the reporting suggested there were hundreds at the meeting when in fact uh, there were supposedly thousands there. Uh, and what David Anderson, the general manager of the or managing director of the ABC, has told that committee today is that they've had a process. There has been the ABC's ombudsman has uh, had a look at this. Uh, it's been accepted that there were um, inappropriate elements to the way that story was conveyed. The the, the reference about white supremacy mm. was unrepresentative and did not, apparently, uh, the report no. didn't go far enough in terms of representing other perspectives and it underplayed the level of community uh, angst about these uh, these mm. violent uh, escalations. Yes, could do better, I think, uh, the, mm. the report was marked. Uh, indeed. All right, Mark, always good to talk. Thank you. Thank you, Philip. 
You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.